Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge, where OP gets revenge against a child murderer. Our next Reddit post is from Assad. The characters in this story are my friend who I'll call Brian. A greedy property developer we'll call Karen and the insurance assessor. Brian's neighbor, Karen, is a typical greedy career landlord who left her rental house in disrepair. Her poor tenant was living in a cold house with raw sewage leaking out onto the lawn and holes in the house that you could see light coming out of the house. After multiple requests from Brian, Karen refused to get any repairs done. When the state government introduced new laws forcing landlords to insulate their rental properties instead of doing this to her house, Karen kicked their tenant out of the house and left the house vacant for five years. That old house deteriorated so much during this time with rats infesting the house and invading other houses nearby. Brian and his wife, with their limited funds, were able to get sufficient lending from the bank, and they offered to buy the house and fix it up themselves to improve the neighborhood, or rent it out since there was a massive shortage of rental properties in our local county. Greedy Karen did not want to sell, nor did she want to spend one cent on the house to remedy the rodent problem. She also didn't care about the effect that the house was having on the aesthetics of the street. It's important to know that Karen and her wealthy family have over a hundred rental properties and due to lax tax laws in the region, they don't pay a cent in taxes and they can get tax write-offs when their properties deteriorate, then they claim this as a loss. Long story short, people like Karen are leeches on our society and are the reasons why property prices are so high and rent prices are skyrocketing in our area. Her husband is also the chairman of the State Landlords Association an association that he often fronts the media for, defending landlords and putting a good media spin on them when there's negative press. Fast forward five years, and Brian finds out the house is going to be demolished to make way for new houses in the area. That was good news, but Brian and his wife were anxious about how smoothly the demolition would go due to the fact that the houses were quite close together. This is important for later. Prior to demolition, the company doing it had to get samples from all sides of the house to check for asbestos. Either Karen made it difficult for the company to check the side of the house bordering Brian's house, or they were simply too lazy. But the company only got samples from three sides of Karen's house, not four. Demolition day came around, and Brian was concerned that no safety barriers had been put up to protect his house. Nor was there anything that would stop dust and debris from getting all over his deck and porch area. Later that day, Brian had the pleasure of meeting Keith. Keith is a demolition company manager who's well known around the district for only caring about money and has little regard for people or property. Keith was doing the demolition himself today with a digger. Brian returned home during a work break to check the progress of the demolition and found the demolition was already complete after only an hour or so. The demolished house was just sitting in a pile. Brian climbed up onto his roof and to his disbelief, he had found hundreds of bricks had fallen onto his roof causing damage, though he was lucky that none of the bricks had fallen through the roof into his house. Brian called Keith to ask what went wrong. Keith initially played down the damage despite there being 200 bricks laying on Brian's roof. Even with the damage done, no apology and Keith's rude attitude, Brian kept his cool. So Brian said, since I did a little bit of roofing when I was younger, I can fix up the roof if you just get me four new sheets of rotting iron and we'll call it even. Don't even worry about paying for paint. I can sort that all out when I paint the roof over the fall. Brian's roof wasn't in the best of shape, but it was in much worse shape after having bricks dumped on it, leaving massive dents and chipping the paint. This is the moment that a simple decision on Keith's part would screw him and the landlord big time. Not happening, pal. Your roof is screwed anyway. I'll get you a sheet of secondhand roofing iron from my yard to repair the damage on the roof, and I can come and hose off the dust on your deck and dog kennel. 
Cue the revenge. This revenge wasn't intentionally nuclear, but Brian had a dilemma that his roof was damaged and he needed it repaired. There was rain and snow forecast later in the week, and he shouldn't be out of pocket having to buy new materials to fix up his own roof to a livable standard. Brian is normally calm and relaxed, but man, this situation and the way that his property were treated sparked an anger that I had never seen before. Brian got in contact with his insurance company, so they sent out a building assessor to assess his claim. The assessor would then be able to seek damages from the landlord or demolition company if he found them to be at fault. Brian also reported the demolition company to the local health and safety authorities due to their lack of safety precautions used when doing the demolition. The assessor got on the roof with Brian and was mortified to hear how Keith had acted in such disregard with the damage done to the roof, and his lack of an apology for any wrongdoing made the assessor mad. He then looked more concerned, bent down, and picked up some gray fibrous material. The assessor said, Luckily, thanks to COVID, we already have masks on, Brian. This here looks like it's asbestos. I don't know how they got the sign off to get the house knocked down in this manner. You wouldn't know it at the time, but if you breathe in these fibers, it can cause serious diseases later on in life, including lung cancer. I'll get this sent off to the lab for testing and we'll be in touch. Fast forward another day and Brian was contacted by his insurance company. It turns out that the side of the house that wasn't tested was clad in asbestos. All asbestos is bad, but this wasn't just any asbestos. This was the worst possible type of asbestos that you can get. His insurance company will also be seeking damages to replace Brian's whole roof, not just a damaged part. The cost to replace Brian's roof would be around $20,000. This was the cheap part. The demolition site was shut down by the local authorities, and there had to be a massive decontamination of the area. This involved having to remove at least a half meter of topsoil on the surrounding properties, then test the soil and remove more if there's still asbestos found. Houses with decks had to have their decks removed so that soil could be excavated from underneath. The cost to clean this up will likely be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. But who would pay this bill was still unknown at this point. Whether it be Keith's insurance, Karen's insurance, or them personally, only time would tell. In regards to Brian, with his family and their dog potentially being exposed to asbestos, this is another battle for them to fight, and I'll keep you updated. OP, I'm really sorry to hear about your friend Brian and all that asbestos. Asbestos is actually what killed my grandpa. That being said, it sounds like Keith and or Karen are going to pay big time on this one. Please keep us updated. And to everyone else, if you want to hear the emerging updates on this story, be sure to subscribe to my channel. Our next Reddit post is from Chicken Fashion Show. To start, I bought a house with the intention of flipping it. When I moved in, the self-appointed block captain let me know who they were the first day. Sadly, they were my next-door neighbors. I tried to be friendly, but listening to them, I realized how horrible they were, and I tried to keep it civil. My significant other kept saying, just wait for it to be our turn. They bragged about, through their contacts with the city, forcing people to make improvements on their houses, getting undesirable renters out of the houses, and just harassing people in general. As I worked on flipping the house, the wife became a worse thorn in my side. To start, she demanded that I put up a fence so people would quit cutting through my yard and scaring her. Then, her and her husband demanded that I take care of the weeds in my yard, or they would do it and bill me. After that, during a storm, a tree scraped their shingles and they asked for $1,200 to replace them. The tree was there before I moved in, and they're responsible for cutting back the branches to the property line. When I wouldn't pay, they had a relative jump my fence and cut the trees down. 
Needless to say, I began to ignore them, so she became a constant gnat and moved on to another target. Then one day, as I was tearing down my deck for a patio, I realized she put a feral cat colony on a section of my property. I had wondered why all these stray cats were around, and I finally figured it out. I reached out to the city and demanded that it be removed, but they said that she followed the law in putting it up. As I tried to get it shut down, she began unhinged behavior like standing in her windows staring at me, yelling out her windows at me, or hitting my fence with items to scare my dog. Here's how my revenge started. I started by filing a harassment restraining order against the wife and had it granted ex parte with the evidence I provided. Of course she contested since it was defamatory to her character. Before the hearing, the husband tried to physically intimidate me. So I filed one against him and it was also granted ex parte. In the hearing, it came up that there was already a restraining order against the husband as well. I started to make complaints about them in their house. Also, I made police calls when necessary. As I did this, the other neighbors began to realize that they could do to my neighbors what my neighbors had done to them. For example, I was having my front door replaced so I needed a building work permit. I knew my neighbors were doing internal remodeling, so I called a city inspector and they were fined for not having a permit. As she ranted at the inspector, he looked at my window and saw that I had my permit displayed. They liked to hoard things on their back porch, so I made another call to a city inspector and they had to clear it out. Then they had a broken window on the porch door, so I called an inspector and they had to replace the door. Next, the paint on their house was peeling, so I called an inspector and they had to repaint. The inspector also found that the wood underneath the paint was rotted and their front porch was sloping. So they had to fix their porch, replace sections of wood, and repaint. Throughout all this, they had put up cameras to prove that they were not doing the things that I said they were doing, such as hitting the fence. They also pointed a camera at my backyard. Since it was legal to point a camera into my yard, I gave the camera a middle finger on the way to and from my garage. When she complained to the city, their response was that she was admitting to intrusively watching me, which was against the terms of her restraining order. The fight over the cat colony came to an end when I realized that one of the cats had a serious disease, and I began to capture them and turn them into animal control. Don't worry, animal control was part of the feral cat program so the cats wouldn't be put down, but the neighbor would have to pay a fine to get each cat out or have the colony closed. I finally caught the sick cat, and it had rabies. Part of the program was for my neighbor to capture each new cat and have it vaccinated, something that she admitted to not doing on her GoFundMe for the colony. I soon had the GoFundMe shut down when I provided the evidence that she wasn't using the funds as she stated they were going to be used. The city now had to act to close the colony. The person at animal control who wouldn't respond to my complaints was fired. The neighbors called in a city mediator, so we met with the mediator, presented all the evidence, and said that we wouldn't meet with our neighbors. And we provided extremely racist tweets that our neighbors made about our other neighbors. So, the city cut ties with my neighbors, and they were no longer community leaders. I had taken away their power to bully others, and forced them to spend thousands of dollars in fines and repairs, like they did to numerous other neighbors. After 14 years, they sold their house and moved out, way out into the suburbs where they only have one neighbor about 50 yards away. They knew that I was wrapping up my flip and would be out in less than a year. Without being able to bully their neighbors, they seemed to have no further reason to stay. Needless to say, I did several more things to wear them down. Finally, when I listed my house, it was sold while theirs was still on the market. As a final F you to my neighbors, I reported a violation they made when they listed their house, meaning they were paying less in property taxes. So they got hit with more fines on my way out. 
OP, look, I'm really proud of you for doing all this to your sucky neighbors, but you missed a golden opportunity. If your neighbors really did cut down your trees without permission, then I'd like to introduce you to a thing called tree law. Just do a search for tree law on my channel. I promise you won't be disappointed. If someone cuts down your trees without permission, you can sue them for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Our next Reddit post is from Metal Can't Die. This happened a few years ago. My neighbor started parking on the street behind my car, like literally inches away from my car for no apparent reason. My neighbor has an empty driveway, and he also lived two houses down the street. I don't have a driveway, so street parking is a must for me. So, after a few weeks, I asked if it was necessary to park so close to my car when there was literally no other cars on the street for over a quarter of a mile. He said, no, but there's no law against it with a big smug grin on his face. A few weeks passed by, and my car got hit because someone couldn't see my car because his truck blocked the view of my car entirely. I saw this happen, but unfortunately I couldn't get a model or license plate number. I find my neighbor's email address and asked him again if he could just park further down the road, closer to his house. He replied, nope, suck on it. Okay. I've lived here for quite some time, and I've never had any issues with him or any other neighbor. I keep to myself, never make noise, don't have any noisy pets or parties, etc. His truck has his business name on it. I google it and find out that it's his own business. He has lots of Yelp reviews, a better business bureau rating, etc. All these links point to his website. I go to check his website and it doesn't load up. I head over to the Whois and see that his domain isn't registered. So I snag it. Before I think of what to do with it, I google the owner's name and find out that he was convicted of murdering a child 20 years ago. I find a handful of links that details his story rather explicitly. I copy and paste all those links to him in an email to him. I said something like, well, if you want to be a jerk for no reason, then I just bought your business domain. Here's all the links I plan on posting on it. I don't have to list your business name because all of your business listings across the internet have this URL pointing to it. Keep parking like a jerk. Yes, it's legal, but you're willfully doing this just to annoy me. I legally bought your domain and I can legally link these articles. Park behind me again and I'll launch it. Within an hour, his truck was moved into his own driveway. He asked me for the domain and I told him, when either you move or I move, I'll hand it over. Until then, it'll remain offline. OP, when he asked you for the domain, you should have just said, nope, suck on it. Also, OP, if you ever move away, you should just publish the website anyways. Because, let's be honest, child murderers don't really deserve sympathy. That was r slash pro revenge, and if you like this content, then check out my Patreon where I publish extra episodes. Also, be sure to follow my podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.